0: Welcome to the Support Automation Show, a podcast by capacity. Join us for conversations with leaders in customer or employee support who are using technology to answer questions, automate processes, and build innovative solutions to any business challenge. I'm your host, Justin Schmidt. Max, welcome to the Support Automation Show.
1: Hi, Justin. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Where's this podcast find you? So I'm in Paris right now.
0: Paris, France, one of my favorite cities in the world. Haven't been since 2013, I think was the last time I was there. But of all the bucket list sort of vacation destinations that we Americans have, the three I recommend to people the most are Paris, France, Cinque Terre, Italy, and Iceland. That's nice. So good to have a representative from one of my favorite cities in the world. So you were the co-founder and CEO of Zest, why don't you tell us just before we get started here a little bit about yourself, what led to the founding of Zest, and then what Zest is doing to drive value?
1: So, yeah, um, I'm going to try to be like pretty quick. I've always built companies. This is my third company. And basically, in the two past ones, we got, I would say, like a huge dimension of customer support. Like, customer support was really like the center of all and what made, made it work. And so this is basically what my co-founder and I made us focus on, like, hey, they're still missing a lot of things on the support tech scene. I feel we were pretty underserved in terms of technology. And we were like, hey, why not trying to build something in that space? And this is basically how Zest is born. And what we do is we are a screen recorder built for customer support, so I don't know, I guess most of you guys know Loom. Oh yeah. Loom helps you record your screen to share with customers. Uh, I like to see us as a reverse Loom in a sense that it helps your customers to easily record their screen to show you an issue, a feedback, a question so you can easily understand what's going on, the full context and speed up a uh, resolution basically.
0: Fascinating. So basically then a person on the CX team would be able to get effectively a session recording of a particular issue that the customer can then, the, is the customer initiating the recording or is it sort of recording every session and then?
1: No, the, the, the customer initiating the recor- initiates the recording. So let's say I'm an agent, uh, you're the customer, you're telling me, hey, I'm having an issue with your product, I'm just going to request like to record so just sending you a little link you're gonna click on the link don't need to install or download anything and automatically it's gonna start and you can like show me what's going on and i'm gonna receive this directly in my ad desk so intercoms and zendesk and all the rest
0: very very cool and this is a particularly interesting bit of technology to me because of the fact that we are kind of able to take a particular session down to the, the a single user's experience with the product. Which is very cool because a lot of times when we think about technology and automation in the larger support landscape, you think of everything from a simple as a chatbot that can answer some questions automatically you know, before it hands off to an agent, all the way to fully automated IVR systems where, you know, you've got tens of thousands of people calling in every day or whatever, if it's a, whatever large organization would have a big IVR system, and you don't have this individualized encapsulated like snapshot of an issue, but you guys are able to create those, get them back over to customer support teams, then the support team knows exactly what the customer is seeing. It's very cool. Looking on the website here, the other thing that that looks really interesting are you then also like recording not just video but also things in the console that are HTML or JavaScript that's rendering as well.
1: Yeah, we basically get all the logs, so if you need to escalate the issue to the product team or engineers, like you get like all the technical context you need to. The main idea basically is to avoid back and forth. You know when you have an issue. Uh, you'd be, hey, Max, I have an issue. And I will tell you, hey, how does it look like? And you're going to tell me something. And I'm, I'm not going to understand, like, or at least I'm going to misunderstand what you're telling me. I'm going to go back to you. And this just, it's not efficient. Make you lose time. Make me lose time. And, and yeah, it's, it's just not, not nice for both of us, right? So <laughs> exactly. what we're trying here to do is just, just to improve like, the workflow here, both for the customer and for the agents. Love it.
0: So to get into the meat of our conversation, I'm going to ask you the question I ask everybody after we learn more about the guest and and what it is they're doing. And that is, what does the phrase support automation mean to you?
1: So what's pretty funny, as you realize, like with Zest, we are more on a one-on-one support than automation. But what we realize over time is like, if you want to provide one-on-one support, you need to have everything else automated. So this is basically like, I mean, one doesn't live without the other one, right? Yes. So all the customers, and I've seen so many teams, I mean, especially in SaaS business, but not only like many other industry tools. And if one day you have, like, you have the need for great one-on-one support, you can be sure that all the rest that maybe you don't see or what's under the hood, everything is automated. So I really don't see them as some different things. They complement each others, and one needs the others to exist, or at least to exist in a in, in a great way. So for me, like, obviously, I mean, to answer your question short, like, what it means, automation, it means, like, it's, it's a one-on-one of support. Because if you want to provide, like, one-on-one, like, customer support, You obviously need to start by by having everything automated uh, from your support processes, both outside, like customer facing, uh, but also like internal, right?
0: Yes. And I am so glad you specifically called out that automation and one to one support really are two sides of the same coin and not necessarily mutually exclusive concepts because. This is something that we believe at, at Capacity very very strongly in as well. Is that the best automation is not there to replace you know your best people, right? Automation should exist to allow your teams, allow your people to be able to do their best work. And in the support context, that means having your teams able to really dive in and solve the high value, high bandwidth, important issues for a customer and not be bogged down by answering the same question 17,000 times in a single day. Right? Definitely. This is quite honestly, the first time this specific point has been brought up in these interviews, and I'm really grateful you did it because it allows for the conversation that I think a lot of leaders need to hear and a lot of leaders need to have. And that is to really think about automation, not simply to eliminate things, but to create bandwidth for other issues. And what you're doing at Zest is literally to make that bandwidth for those other issues as efficient as possible to your point on on removing the back and yeah. forth.
1: It's funny you're, you're bringing that up because so many people doesn't see like automation as something to enhance relationship. I definitely do. It's not here to replace relationship. We're not talking about like relationship on one side and automation on the other ones. And this is what might sound on the very first loop when people are talking about automation. But trust trust me, if you really look at the, I've seen like team of, I mean, support team operated like hundreds of them. And the ones were able to build the best relationship with the customer because at the end this is what what matters at least is what i believe it matters this one are the one who asked the most like support automated to as you said like just let them do the best work and just like a high value work right so
0: your primary customer is the cs agent at a SaaS company correct you guys are mostly in working with other software companies in your customer roster
1: yeah i would say that like when you say screen recording basically you need to have stuff to record it's a bit stupid but it's true and more customers spend time on the product on the website more we're going to be useful so SaaS companies are i would say 80 percent of our customers but but we have others you know
0: right right of course in terms of the relationship between support and product This is something that exists everywhere. And I'm really interested to get your take on it because you guys really provide a bridge between those two in a lot of ways. Because when products like, you know, customer has an issue, CS team is, they're in a Slack channel or something. They say, this customer has the issue. The product team wants to recreate it. They want to see it, et cetera. Like that's not always, you know, normally possible without doing something similar to what you guys are doing. You're able to give that context between, you know, the sort of incident and back to the product team. So in general, that helps the relationship between CS and product. I'm curious from your vantage point, having installed Zest across your your, your variety of customers and having seen some of the lack of communication or effective communication anyway, between product and CS, I'm curious to see what you've seen that really works, what you've seen that hasn't worked, and maybe some advice you could give to a CS team to build that relationship with product to get that feedback from, from customers incorporated into the product.
1: Yeah, so I think first, we need to see there is a big change that started a few years ago. Uh, I'm sure you heard about like a product-led companies. I do believe that tomorrow, what's going to be the goal and what makes a company like succeed or not is going to be the product, right? And so we've seen like so many companies reorganize their team around the product. And I do believe companies who don't do that might have a very, very hard and rough time in the, in the upcoming years. So this is, I would say, the first thing is really make sure the product is in the center of everything. And even like... In in the product-led companies, you know, you don't even have sales anymore, basically. You know, you don't have growth. I mean, it's product growth. And what's funny is, like, product is fueled by interaction and conversation you have with your customers. And this is also where customer support is coming. And what's pretty funny, what I've seen in the best companies is, You know, like before you really had like, hey, you start with the sales, then you have an account manager, and then when the onboarding is done, you have the support like helping you. This has been totally reorganized where basically from the entire like user journey from A to C, you really have all the job working together from the product, the growth and the support. So yeah, I think the best companies I've seen just don't have, any wall between, like, all those teams and especially between the support and the product team because the support fuels, like, the, 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 the product one. We could enter in the de- details uh, on how, like, to, to give all the insights and how product team deals with all those insights. But, yeah, I guess it just, like, makes the communication very easy between the two and have processes to make sure, like, the product team receives everything from, like, customer support teams.
0: Have you found looking across the landscape as you guys see it, do you see any common support issues that come up that could be prevented with either different training or a different methodology to ensure that proper things are being documented? that sort of keeps coming up over and over again, that if you could tell a room full of CS leaders, hey, you're most likely to run into this problem, here's the way you should think about mitigating
1: that up front, what would it be? Might be a bit different, but I would say like the thing I would really recommend, because I've seen so many teams like struggling with that, is to publicly publish your KPIs, your support KPIs might sound a bit counterproductive right now, but the thing is like support teams are always kind of hidden, like customers don't really see them. And I think the best thing that helps support team align with their objectives and with the customers is publish publicly your KPI, your support metrics. So I don't know, you could grab three, you know, like, this is our average response time. This is blah, 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 blah. And most of the time, these are totally hidden. You have them like in your dashboard of your support teams, but right. just make them super publish to your customers. I guess you've seen like status page, you know, when, when for example, you have your server done and stuff, yep. and people have this publicly. What I recommend is to pull every day of that alive to what we could call like a um, support metrics page, and make this available to all your customers. And this is such a competitive advantage. This is, I mean, I think it's one of the easier things to do that will bring, bring you the most value to your super team, so.
0: Yeah, this is a great idea. I like this a lot because to your point, if you're good at providing world-class support and world-class customer success management to your customers, you should let everybody know that. And not just in a, on our website somewhere, it says, we love our customers. It's like, well, of course you do, right? Like every,
1: yeah. <laughs> find, find me a
0: business that doesn't say we love our customers. But to literally publish the metrics and say, hey, you know, we had a blip in response time, got too high a week ago. The reason for that was we rolled out X. We got your feedback and we changed X to you know Y and now we've got response time back in in order. If you think about fandom and your customers are fans, if you really want to earn the trust of your fans, think about like a professional sports team, every metric they have is published, available, scrutinized, talked about, celebrated, condemned, et cetera. And part of the interesting thing about this is that you're putting your money where your mouth is in a way that I don't see a lot of businesses do. And this is a really, really interesting idea. I like it. It helps the customer support and customer success teams start the conversation with their future customers earlier because now they're kind of showing to prospects, hey, this is how good we are or aren't in certain areas. And in a world, especially in SaaS, of opaque pricing of you know, everyone's saying they're always the best at everything all the time. It is a differentiator. I love that. That is a great idea.
1: Yeah, and it, you have no idea how much trust it builds from the beginning between the support team and the customers. And
0: that building trust is is so key. Let's double click on on trust a little bit. As a fellow vendor that sells into support teams, I'm just curious your take on this. How would you go about instilling trust in a support team that the technology or product that is about to be installed in their workflow should be trusted and with ai and automation this is a common thing right where oh is this just getting installed to take our jobs or is this some big brother watching us kind of thing i'm curious your take on what CS leaders can do to build trust with their team so that when new technology is brought in, it's adopted, used, appreciated, et cetera.
1: Yeah, I guess like if we're talking about like what's happening within a support team, I guess it's all about making sure your teammates feel they're valuable to what you're trying to do. So I guess just like being transparent on how this new technology or this new process or this new workflow will help them achieve what they're being hired would be the best way to do that. I'm trying to think, I don't have like a concrete example that's coming to my mind, but I definitely know what you mean. Like people are very scared that, you know, I guess just jobs are evolving and changing and just people know that. But you just need to be transparent and explain to them like, hey, this is going to help you do that, or this is going to help us like, focus on that so you can allow more of your time to
0: do this. Well, your answer there got me thinking because of what you said a minute ago about publishing support metrics like you would on a status page, server uptime page or something. And that is customer support and customer success they're gold they're motivated they're like they are built to raise nps raise customer satisfaction decrease churn right drive and, and maintain adoption to be able to provide the whatever objective measure of fast good customer services right and any leader of support teams or success teams that wants to bring in some sort of product into their organization is doing so under the auspice of making those numbers better. Right. So in a world where your CS team is fully bought in on the KPIs and the metrics that they control, the conversation to say, hey, support team, we have had a lot of issues in the product that we aren't able to quickly address because there's a lot of back and forth. I found this solution called Zest that is gonna allow our customers to kick off session recordings to then send to us and we can eliminate a lot of that back and forth and close the loop with product. If we do this, I think we're going to decrease response time, increase CSAT, et cetera, and then the buy-in is there. But that buy-in doesn't happen unless there is this agreed upon sacred relationship with the KPIs that that team has. And for the rest of the day, I'm gonna be thinking about how we can publish our CSAT and response time and uptime as well. I mean, we, we publish our uptime like every software company does, but the customer success metrics, you've really got my, my gears turning on that one. If you were to go back in time and look at the support world. And we go back to when the guys at Zendesk were, were diagramming out the, <laughs> the, first, the, the first help desk. What's something that, if you go back in time and say, you know what we should actually do differently is this? What, what, what would that be?
1: I don't know. I think, you know, talking about automation, we are entering in, in a world of automation where really it's efficient. And it's great. But when automation started, it was pretty bad, right? And what I feel is this is also why people right now I'm, might be sometimes like doubtful about like automation customer support. It's like at the beginning when it really started, I'm sorry, but like it, it was awful. So the right. thing is like customer support as always and still for many companies and it's this is a mistake, but it's seen as a cost center. So one of the first things that people started to automate like back in the days, I'm talking like 10 days, 10 years, sorry, from now, was like customer support. But automation process was far from what we have now. You know, automation was like I don't know, you have a boat like talking and talking and talking and you just wanted to talk to someone because the boat was looping and looping, you know? I have like, I don't know, I, I experienced that with like a, a airlines company or stuff like this. And some of them still have that, right? But to me, this is like, I mean, that was so helpful in customer support. And I think like this is, I don't know if I could change something, but obviously like technology need to, to, to I mean, now it's mature and you need to go through this. But regarding like customer support was really one thing I didn't like back then. But I think like uh, support leaders are changing their minds, spe- especially like uh, C-level C- level people like CEO and stuff of, of, of big companies like no know, knows what our automation. But yeah, like back in the days it was like definitely what I would have uh, changed. Just have like the type of automation we can do nowadays. 'Cause it was pretty crappy and now it's great.
0: Yeah. The evolution in conversational design that has occurred over the last five, six, seven years has really been great. I mean, I can't speak for what it was like in the early two thousands in France and, and Europe on, on what dealing with automated phone menu's was like, but I can tell you with absolute certainty that you know I would dial the number and it would I'd, I'd say speak to an agent, speak to an agent, smash zero on the phone, speak to an agent yeah. and it's not because of anything else other than the way the voice would read the menus and tell me what button to push for what is just arduous and long and terrible. And then that exact same thinking just got like dumped into chatbots when it was available. And it's like, guys, we need to learn to create experiences and use conversational design in such a way that we're making this a seamless, fast experience and not just like recreating the crappy IVR system,
1: right? Sure. And yeah, I was telling you, you know, like, all those examples we are talking about, like I would say like customer facing teams, but I think the most astonished improvements are not so much in what the customer experiences, but like on an internal way, basically on all the internal processes and workflow that automations can help the support team with. This is stuff that customer don't see right mm-hmm. but that helps like support teams like just provide better support
0: right this has been a great conversation. I know as a as a founder, your time is valuable, limited. you're a busy man. It's also five o'clock over It's so almost six o'clock. I need to let you let you get to dinner and, and your evening so i want to I want to close this show with this the same rapid fire round that that we close every show with, and that is just. First thing that comes to mind. What's the book that you most often recommend to people?
1: Except *Sapiens*, because *Sapiens* is like (laughs) obviously something that someone should read.
0: That is a good one, by the way. *Sapiens* is a uh, yeah, absolute absolute must read. Wholeheartedly agree with you on that one.
1: I'm currently like I'm just gonna tell you, uh, it's not the one I would recommend, but I'm gonna tell you the one I have right now in my in my night shelves. This is *The Three Musketeers* of Alexandre Dumas, which is like obviously French. And this is a novel, which I love. So yeah, I'll go for this one.
0: Yeah, thanks for recommending books that aren't business self-help books, by the way. That's always refreshing yeah. to hear. I think when I ask that question, people usually think, oh, I need a, the seven habits, of highly effective people. I'm like, no, you can,
1: you can, you can tell me Harry Potter if that's, if that's what your answer is. I'm reading 90% of like self-help and business book, but I'm trying to read more and more novels because yes. it just, I mean, it just, you're traveling, dreaming, it helps your brain to just, you know. It's more enjoyable to read. Yeah. (laughs) That's the truth, right? Yeah. What's the best productivity
0: tip or productivity hack that you've folded into your practice that you would recommend to people?
1: I guess just go for a walk. It's stupid, but as soon as I feel like, I mean, you know, there's so much going on or like, I don't know, like some, some days are like tough. If I feel I'm just like overwhelmed and just like, stop everything and go for a walk. Just walking sometimes like five minutes and I go back to my seats. But I guess this is my productivity, hack number one. No,
0: I'm a full-throated endorsement on the midday walk. I've taken to, if there's a meeting that I don't need to present anything on, I will do it with headphones in my ears, walking around my neighborhood. I can I can look at the slides on my phone. I can participate just as actively as I did if I was sitting at my desk or standing at my desk, but my body's moving. I'm in nature. I'm smelling things. I'm seeing the beautiful architecture in the neighborhood I live in. 100% recommend that. Lastly, if you could recommend one website, blog, Slack community, LinkedIn group, et cetera,
1: for leaders and support. What would it be? The mom test. You guys need to go check it out. I, I think it's the mom, momtest.com, something like this, which is basically the art on how to talk to customers. Oh, okay. With, without having them enter in the way you want them to enter. So this is like crossroad between, I would say like product interview and support. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of the most helpful book as a founder but also for everyone we need to deal with customers you know we just like just how how you speak with people without like formatting them to give you the answer you're expecting and this is super helpful
0: yeah that is not one that has been recommended on this show before i'll be sure in the show notes and the marketing we do for this episode to include a link because i have not I have not gotten that one before. And that is a very important part of the conversation to have. So really appreciate that. Max, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for the conversation. Where can people go to find
1: out more about you and Zest? Thank you so much, Justine, for having me once more. It was a great chat. I mean, if people want to chit chat about support with me, they can do that through LinkedIn. Just add me, send me a message and be more than happy to to have a chat. Love it.
0: Max, thank you for coming on the Support Automation Show and have a wonderful evening. Same, Justin. Have a wonderful day, I guess. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Cheers. The Support Automation Show is brought to you by Capacity. Visit Capacity.com to find everything you need for automating support and business processes in one powerful platform. You can find the show by searching for Support Automation in your favorite podcast app, Please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Capacity, thanks for listening.